This is the Hiking Through Life podcast. We've all been gifted a journey called life. Let's see where the journey leads us today. Welcome to the Hiking Through Life podcast, where we talk with people who in some way, shape, or form have been influenced by the outdoors. I'm Andy, the producer of this podcast, and my lovely wife, Sarah, will be your host. Together, we make up Hiking Through Life. This podcast is all about bringing all kinds of people who are inspired by the outdoors and sharing their stories. We hope that by sharing people's stories, it inspires others to get out and live a more meaningful life. Tune in every week for new episodes, or better yet, subscribe to the Hiking Through Life podcast on your favorite podcast provider. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with others. Also, if you have a story to share or know of anyone who might be interested in being a guest on this podcast, head on over to hikingthroughlife.net slash podcast and get in touch with us. If you'd like to support Hiking Through Life, you can go to hikingthroughlife.net slash shop. We have t-shirts, water bottles, and we recently added stickers to the shop. Use the code podcast at checkout and receive 10% off your first order. There are other ways you can support this podcast as well. You can check those out at hikingthroughlife.net slash support. Also, be sure to sign up for our email list. You can do that by heading over to hikingthroughlife.net. Enter your email address and click subscribe. There's no commitment. You can unsubscribe at any time. As part of our email list, you'll receive our monthly newsletter. We'll also be sending out any promotional codes for Hiking Through Life gear. It's an excellent way to follow Hiking Through Life's journey. Now sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Are you planning a through hike? Or are you just sick of sitting around your house and want to get out? Maybe you're looking at doing a backpacking trip this summer whether it be just for a couple nights, or maybe you have bigger aspirations like the AT or the PCT. Either way, you're going to need some delicious food on your trip. In this episode, Sarah talks with Aaron from Backcountry Foodie. Backcountry Foodie provides recipes and meal planning tools, everything that you need to make sure that you get the proper nutrition while you're out on the trail. Aaron will go more in depth on what Backcountry Foodie is, and what it offers. But if you find yourself interested, check out backcountryfoodie.com and you can use the code hiking through life to save 20% when you sign up at backcountryfoodie.com. We're excited to use Backcountry Foodie's meal planning kit to get away from some of our more uh, more regular meals and try something different. So again, if you use the code hiking through life, you can save 20% when you sign up at backcountryfoodie.com. You can find the link in the show notes. Welcome to the Hiking Through Life podcast. Today we have Aaron Owens Mayhew on the podcast with us. Aaron worked as a dietitian for many years. Along with being a dietitian, being an athlete had been a big part of her life. She set out to hike the PCT in 2017. Combined with her athletic mindset and dietitian knowledge, she made her own meals for the attempted PCT through hike. She soon after had a midlife crisis, eventually quit her job, and now runs a successful backpacker meal plan business. We are here today to hear her story. Welcome to the podcast, Erin. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, so let's just start with your story of the outdoors and growing up. Was that part of your lifestyle growing up at all? Actually, that's kind of funny. No, not at all. 
Um, I grew up a competitive swimmer in Kentucky and my family just, they weren't outdoorsy people. That's just not something we did. Um, so it wasn't until after graduate school that I moved out to Seattle, Washington, where I fell in love with the mountains. Um, I happened to be dating a guy at the time that was a so-called backpacker. It was more of, he was about carrying rucksacks in the army. So my very first backpacking trip was wearing blue jeans and a cotton t-shirt and mountaineering boots, which are not good for three-day backpacking trips. <laughs> And we ate MREs. So that's how my backpacking career started almost 20 years ago. Um, and it's since advanced now, I'm an ultralight backpacker. So I'm a big gram counter. So I take very little with me now. So, I mean, just hearing about your first time going out backpacking, I mean, it sounds like, yeah, you didn't necessarily have the proper gear or anything, but did you, is that when you fell in love with backpacking? Right. I'd always been an athlete. So I enjoyed being outside. I enjoyed being physically active. And uh, it was just a new experience that I was just realized I love the mountains. I love being outside. So I've been hooked ever since. And that's when you had started your dietitian career? Yes. So I graduated in 2001 and started my career there. Um, and then I ended up marrying the army guy at the time. And we moved all around the country. So I had all kinds of jobs around the country, being a community dietitian, research dietitian, home-based dietitian. So I had an opportunity to do all sorts of things all around the country. And then ultimately ended up back in Seattle, <laughs> where I love the mountains. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you are all over the place being a dietitian. And so it's almost like your path to backcountry foodie was like long started before it actually was, because it sounds like you were all over the place already. Right. And I, that's what's kind of funny is during my graduate program is my focus was on um, education. But at the time I was like, I'm not going to be able to make a living off of just providing nutrition education. So I went through the whole clinical nutrition route because there's job stability. Um, and now I've since come all the way around again to now I'm providing nutrition education for the outdoors. And it's just, it's a dream come true 20 years later. <laughs> wow. And I mean, what is it about the dietitian aspect that you love so much? Um, well, I'm a type A personality. I love details. I'm a very, I'm a number cruncher. So I love just getting into the nitty gritty of nutrition, how it affects your performance, um, how it affects your health. I mean, nutrition can make such a difference in your experience, whether it's just a regular sports or daily life um, on trail. I mean, so that's what I'm really excited about is helping people just making some minor changes in their diet to uh, just perform that much better and enjoy their trips that much more. Absolutely. And like, I've definitely found that like in listening to so many of the other podcasts you've been on, like, that's just like a huge, huge passion of yours. And I mean, I've even started to like make some of my own food out on the just like trial and error, trying to make my own stuff out there. And yeah, what you eat out there is such a big difference. So when you set out to hike the PCT was like ramen and like Twinkies even an option for you? Or were you just like, no way, not happening? That's actually how Backcountry Foodie came about. As when I started preparing for the PCT, being a dietitian, I knew I'm not going to eat Twinkies and ramen and Pop-Tarts all day long. That's just not how I normally eat. So, and we're vegetarians. Um, so I was like, there's no way I'm going to completely change my diet knowing that I won't be able to perform very well. So I started tinkering around in the kitchen. I'd never made homemade meals before. So I just started playing around in the kitchen and realized most traditional recipes still don't provide the amount of nutrition that I want. They weighed more than I wanted to. They weren't necessarily shelf stable as I wanted them to be. So then came backcountry free recipes, 
So I just, being a dietitian, I got into my software that's really hospital grade software and punching in numbers and making all the nutrition work. And then that's how it came about. And now I've since published a cookbook and now have an online platform. You have a cookbook. So is that something that people are able to go purchase on your website? Not anymore. Unfortunately, I was self-publishing. So I had some problems with the actual printing company. So we had to take it off the market just for printing concerns. Um, So now all of those recipes have been built into our membership platform. Um, So I think they're more user-friendly because you can pull it up onto your phone when you're hiking and you need to resupply or if you're at the grocery, um, our new platform offers a shopping list. So it's just the new platform is just so much better than a paper cookbook that's sitting on your shelf at home. Sure. And so let's talk about like what exactly people can expect from Backcountry Foodie. I mean, it's, it's a website, but like you have a whole base. So just for someone who's never heard of Backcountry Foodie, I mean, I did a lot of research on what you guys were, but yeah, give like the breakdown of what it is. So Backcountry Foodie, my kind of my vision and methods that I do um, is ultra, like I said, I'm ultralight backpacker. So I've gone from counting all the grams of my gear to counting all the grams of my food. So my focus as an ultralight backpacker is also making my food ultralight. And in doing that, I've maximized nutrition by what I call combination foods. And what that means is that I maximize every single bite of food by having it have protein, carbs, and fat in every single bite. Um, so quinoa is an example of that. It's a really nutritious food that you get all of those things in one food. If you were to do more traditional hiking foods, you would have to have the tortilla for your carbs, maybe tuna for your protein, and maybe some cheese or something for your fat. So you have to eat three separate foods instead of just one. So ultimately, I've been able to maximize all the nutrition on our recipes to eat a lower volume of food, more nutrition, and because it's lower volume, you actually need less water, which means that your pack weighs less. Um, because they're lower volume, then the meals are actually smaller. So your space in your backpack, there's more. So it's just, uh, I've been able to use my dietitian knowledge to really kind of manipulate recipes to maximize them as most as possible. Um, So that's where our recipes come in. And then in the meal planning portion of our website, I teach you how to do it yourself. (laughs) So I teach you how to figure out how many calories do you need? That's probably the most popular question I get. Um, so you're not recovering very well. You have hiker hobble in the morning, which is pretty common for three hikers. <laughs> um, how do you recover? So I teach you how to do that. Um, maybe you have a history of being dehydrated. How do you prevent that from happening? Maybe you bonk a lot. So I teach you how to prevent from bonking. Um, maybe you've never dehydrated food and you want to give all this a try. We have a huge um, module just on dehydrating food through hiking strategies. So Really, it's an enormous site. Anything that you need to know about planning for food for your trips, we've got it in there. I mean, I got to imagine just like with all of the recipes you've come up with, there's been a lot of trial and error, I would imagine. Absolutely. And not always good ones. <laughs> so, yeah. And you do all of this out of the van that you live in? Right. So a lot of the recipes are from my PCT Appalachian Trail and Oregon Coast Trail um, attempts. So I've since changed, upgraded those a little bit, but we also live in a van full-time in a sprinter van. Um, so I have what I call recipe development days where I pull out all of my gear. I take up the entire front seat area, the cabin. I take up all the floor space <laughs> and my poor husband has this tiny little seat to sit on um, and I'll recipe develop for like 10 hours at a time, which usually will end up with a horrible stomach ache <laughs> because I've eaten so many variety of foods all in one day. But yeah, so we have a 30-gallon tote underneath what we call our garage. It's underneath our bed. Um, and another 15-gallon tote of ingredients that I play with. 
And how do you decide like what types of ingredients you get? I mean, I'm guessing there's like staples you have in most of your meals, right? Well, our recipes are all based on, I'm a big believer in taking my home food that I normally eat into the backcountry. So like I said before, I don't normally eat Twinkies and Snickers and ramen, those kinds of things. So I started out with, I've got a favorite spaghetti recipe. So I figured out how to convert that into a dehydrated version. Um, well, Thanksgiving's coming up. So my favorite Thanksgiving dish is sweet potato mash. So I've since converted that into a hiking version. Um, I've got some other meals that are some of my favorites that my mom makes. So that's where the ideas come from. And it just based on those are the ingredients that I typically have. Okay. When you say sweet potato mash, I mean, did you dehydrate the potatoes or did you just turn them into flakes? That particular recipe, um, I just use canned yams. I rinse them off really easily, really quickly, mashing them up, puree them, put them on the dehydrator tray, dry them. And then the key is to powder them afterwards is put them in a spice or a coffee grinder and then they rehydrate instantaneously. Um, so that particular recipe has sweet potato powder, um, pineapple, pecans, brown sugar, and butter powder. And to really top it off, I add coconut oil. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the creations you've come up with, and like, I think you do things like yogurt and then you have all, haven't you made smoothies too? Oh yeah. We have one of my big things, again, being the dietitian as a meal replacement drinks. Um, so there's all those times where you've lost your appetite or you're just sick of eating and it's easier just to drink something or maybe you're not a morning person and you just want to get on the trail, but you're going to run out of energy if you don't eat breakfast. So I have a lot of smoothies. Um, the meal replacement drinks have enough uh, protein, carbs, and fat in them to be a, truly a meal within eight ounces of fluid. Um, so that's kind of one of my signature things that I do. Yeah. And I mean, that's like so nice too, because some people just aren't breakfast eaters or they want a drink and they want to get all of their miles in, especially right. like those ultimate athletic people out on the trail. They want like 40, 50 miles a day. Right. And I keep them actually in my hip belt pocket. So if I feel like I'm getting ready to crash and I'm not ready to stop and get out my stove and those things, I'll pull out the powder that's in my hip belt pocket, add a little water. I haven't even stopped moving because I keep my water on the side, pour in eight ounces, drink it, keep on moving. And there was 500 calories. So is the drink something people can easily make at home too? One of my favorites, actually our hiker favorites is uh, my peanut butter chocolate shake. It's PB2 powder. Um, carnation instant breakfast, the chocolate powder and whole milk powder, everything you can buy at the grocery store. That's all. And there's 600 calories in it. I want to say like 30 something grams of protein. I forget how many grams of fat. Um, and it has hundred percent of the calcium you need in the whole day. So, I mean, it's just power packed with normal ingredients you could get at the store. Yeah. I love that PB2 stuff. I know exactly what you're talking about. That stuff's delicious. Yeah. And you can add it into so many things. Yeah. And like, that's the amazing thing about like what you're doing too, is like every it, it's good food for you and it tastes good because a lot of the times like ramen and all those other things, like they, they don't necessarily even taste good. Right. Well, and a lot of it has to do with, I've talked to a lot of hikers is just adding in herbs and spices just to add more flavor. Um, because I, when I was doing the PCT, there were so many people like, Oh, I dehydrated all my food. I'm super excited. It's like, Oh, what'd you make? They're like, well, there's dehydrated vegetables and ramen but there are no extra flavors. So you get really bored with that really quickly. And all you need to do is maybe add a little garlic powder and I don't know, basil and you have a pesto with some olive oil. <laughs> totally. I mean, it's super easy. Right. And I mean, I think the thing about meals, like doing something like you're doing is like getting in the mindset of needing to prepare your own food at home. Cause like everything you do, you prep 
in your, well, in your van, which is your home. Um, <laughs> and you do all of that prep before you go out on the trail. Whereas like other people like the convenience of just grabbing like a ramen noodle or a mountain house or something. I mean, what's your advice for getting people to take that mind shift and eating healthier on the trail, but just needing to prep at home? How can people shift their minds? Actually, one of my recommendations is, is do it in the off season. So when you're at home, you have time, or let's say it's a rainy day and you can't go hiking, go ahead and prep a few things. And that way, most of the things on our recipes are shelf stable for at least a year. Um, so make a few things, keep them in a tote, and then they're already ready to go. When suddenly you're like, a friend comes up and says, let's go hiking this weekend. You just pull your food out of the tote and you're ready to go. Rather than having to run to the store or REI the night before and picking up a mountain house because you don't have anything prepped. So I think that's my solution. And we actually have a tote in here, which is some kind of things set aside for when we decide we're going to go hiking at the last minute. Oh my gosh, that's such good advice. And I mean, even like right now, since we just had a baby, we're not necessarily out hiking and backpacking constantly, but we have eaten like some of our pre-made backpacking meals that I prepped just because they're easy. So you don't necessarily have to be out hiking either. We've got actually quite a few of our customers have asked me how to make them lower calorie because they eat them at home. So that is now something we do in our recipes is to make it a lower calorie option, use non-fat milk powder instead, or I'll make a little note, say use less olive oil um, because people do eat them at home because it's real food. And like, yeah, speaking of calories, how have you determined how many calories people should be eating out there? Because I mean, people have hike at such different paces. So how do you determine that when you're meal planning? That's a excellent question. And I don't have a very good answer because everybody is individualized. Um, and just personally, I really fine tuned it because I put so many miles in. So I know exactly now on, let's say a 10 or 15 mile hike, maybe moderate terrain, it takes me 3000 calories. Um, I start kicking up the miles to 20 per day, a little bit harder. Maybe I'm carrying a heavier backpack. I need 4,000 calories a day on the AT. I didn't have a really heavy backpack because it was summer, but I was pulling a lot of miles and really fast and I was eating over 6,000 calories per day. So that just, I've learned that, and this is what I recommend for people to do is actually keep a food record. It's kind of a hassle when you start, but you'll really be happy you did it later on is just jot down what was the hike you did? How many miles? Was it a hard terrain? Was it hard? Was it hot? Was it cold? Because believe it or not, like cold weather temperature, you end up burning a lot of calories because you're typically going through the snow, you're shivering. Um, there's all these extra energy needs that maybe a hot day you wouldn't have. Um, so just kind of keeping a record of those things and what you ate and how you felt. And then, I don't know, four or five hikes later, you can fine tune it and then you know what to do going forward. That's really good advice. And like, I mean, for someone like you who does this a lot, like you must know your body so, so well. So do you find that you're eating, is it pretty much the same amount of calories each time you go out? Yeah. Like I said, based on whatever the, the type of hike it is, I've pretty well fine-tuned it to where I know, but I will be say I'm guilty of, I still bonk. Like I will still be like, we're almost there. I'm not going to eat. We'll eat when we get there. And then I will miss that opportunity to have a snack and feel horrible. And actually I just did that recently. We were trying to get back to the car. I really should have eaten a snack. I got to back to the car and I was felt horrible for hours. Had I just eaten a snack, I would have been fine. So I still do it myself when I know better. Right. And like not eating that snack, is that just like your mindset of like, I, I'm so close. Like, I just want to get this done. And like, cause are you just so over the hike at that point? Or, I mean, that's how I get. Yeah. That's how we all get. I mean, you get to get 
to that point where it's just like, I'm so close to being there. I don't want to stop and pull something out, you know, that kind of thing that takes extra effort. But ultimately, you're going to feel so much better if you just put in those few extra seconds to pull out a bar and eat. And in that situation, had I've had one of my drinks on me and I would just had something to drink, I would have been fine. But I didn't pack one because it was a day hike. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm an expert. (laughs) I'll be fine. But I still do it myself. Yeah. And I mean, that's so good to hear that even people in this field make mistakes. Mm -hmm. It happens. (laughs) Yeah. So let's talk about, you said that you, or I've read that you did your attempts for the through hikes. Did you ever actually do a whole through hike? So I attempted the PCT. And it's funny as this is how I got my trail name sling is that I coming from Seattle, it's not a lot of sun up there. So I was really worried about the sun in the desert. So I'd strapped on an umbrella to my backpack and ended up causing a shoulder injury um, because I had strapped it on too tight. So I had to go home because I couldn't physically carry my backpack anymore. So I went home, rehabbed, and then I jumped on the Appalachian Trail because I'd quit my job. You know, I didn't have anything to go back to. So I jumped on the Appalachian Trail and I'd been pulling 20 mile days on the PCT. So I got on the AT about when the bubble got there. So I was like, oh, I can keep up with these guys. Well, they'd been hiking 20 miles since Georgia. (laughs) I had just started hiking 20 miles. So then I ended up tearing a quad muscle and having to go home after 500 miles. So that was devastating. So then the following year in 2018, I completed the Oregon Coast Trail, which I was super thrilled to be able to do that. How many miles is that one? Um, it's not charted very well. I think I did over 400. Um, it's somewhere between like 350 to a little over 400, depending on like, if you get to stay on the route or not, I found myself off trail quite a bit. So I added on a few extra miles. Um, but yeah, so ultimately I will go back to do the PCT. That's a dream that I'm going to attempt again sometime. And at this time, was your husband along with you on any of these hikes or did he come in the picture after? Um, Well, he stayed at home and was the wonderful support crew person. He's not a long distance hiker. He likes to do mountaineering kinds of trips and rock climbing and ropes and glaciers, which that is not my thing. So I do the long leisurely hikes and he does the more adventurous kinds of things. So he was at home and um, did all the resupply boxes and those kinds of things, which I'm really grateful for. And this is when you guys still had a home and cars, correct? Right. So this was in 2017 and actually... He's now my second husband. So he had, we had, we were still dating actually. When we first started all this, I was like, oh, by the way, I'm quitting my job. Do you still want to be like a part of my life? Oh, by the way, can you like be my resupply guy for the next six months? (laughs) And he stuck around. So um, yeah, that was back when we still had a house and cars. Um, And then he's since quit and is now full-time with Backcountry Foodie. So this is now our full-time gig. Full-time gig and doing it out of a van. I mean, what's the hardest part about working out of a van? I know before we got on, you were talking about the Wi-Fi and the hotspots. <laughs> Honestly, that's the hardest part because we found that we really enjoy being in the wilderness. We spend, I would say, to be honest, 90% of our time in the wilderness. We only go into town to what I call resupply days. They're just like a through hike. And we go in to do laundry. We get grocery. We pick up any mail. We have a UPS box. Um any of those kind of town things. And then we're back out that same day. Um, so our hotspot comes and goes and being an online business, we have to have cell signal. So that's the hardest part is finding places in the wilderness with good signal. And then when the hotspot breaks, we're in McDonald's parking lot for the day. <laughs> so it's not ideal, but it works. <laughs> and how do you determine like where you're going to stay? Um, we use the several apps. The iOverlander app is extremely helpful. 
Um, people leave a lot of comments about cell signal, um, kind of what the land is like. Um, I use Google Maps a lot just to see what the terrain looks like. Um, so if it's, there's a lot of trees, we typically won't go because you're not going to get a lot of cell signal or if it's in a canyon, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, a lot of canyons will lose cell signal. So maybe we'll go for the day and then come back out kind of thing. Um, and then freecampsites.net is another page that we use to get information. So it's a variety of different things. Yeah, freecampsites.net. That one's super awesome. Um, but like based on the state, how do you determine what state you're going to be in? Is that ever based off like where your business is thriving? Or since you're an online business, does it even matter where you are? That was the point of moving into the van is we didn't know where we wanted to live next. So we've traveled around the country a couple times now, <laughs> 21 months and like 50,000 miles, maybe even more like 70,000. I don't remember anymore. <laughs> um, so we've since found that we really love Northern New Mexico and the mountains, which is where we had planned on settling. But unfortunately, um, we're in, well, I guess the good thing is we're moving towards food production. But the unfortunate part is the kitchen we had hoped to use in New Mexico is still closed because of COVID. So just within the last two weeks, we've moved to Grand Junction, Colorado, where there's a kitchen that can get us started right away. So that's where we are now. So we've just kind of been bouncing around within two hours or so of Grand Junction um, with that being our new home base. So that's the next plan for backcountry foodie, food production, and then selling your recipes? Correct. So we're finishing up. We're completely redesigning our meal planning site and hope to launch that by Christmas fingers crossed. <laughs> um, and then food production, we're going to get in the kitchen probably January, February. Um, we've never done that before. So I'm not sure how long it's going to take to really get that up and running. But we're really thankful the kitchen we're using as a business development center as well. So we have business coaches now we have a food safety uh, production coach. So we have all these resources that we otherwise didn't have that should really help us get up and going um, fairly quickly. So did like all these people, cause I was looking at your website and there was a lot of people that were added to your team, but it seems like, yeah, like a few months ago were all those people part of your team or is this all within the last like month? Um, no, we actually have team members now because again, I just couldn't manage it all by myself um, <sighs> because we were growing so much and there was just so much content that I wanted to provide. I couldn't physically write it fast enough. Um, so we now have four dietitians that are writing content for us, three of which are now nutrition coaches that are going to help provide coaching services for our customers. And um, we have two, I'm also a preceptor for a number of um, universities for their internship programs. So I have seven interns, um, two are paid now. Then we are just getting ready to hire on now a dehydrating specialist um, who's also written a few books. I'm not going to share a name yet, but we're super excited. And we also have a really well-known through hiker that's going to hopefully join us um, and provide a bunch of pro tips throughout the meal planning site. So it's going to be a team of 10 people um, pretty soon. Wow, that's awesome. And that's just the meal planning site. That's not like being in the kitchen yet. So we'll have to hire all those people once we get into the kitchen. Wow, that's super exciting news for you guys. Yeah, it's gone from me quitting my job playing in the kitchen to now we have this amazing group of people. <laughs> Did you ever imagine that that was going to be the case? Absolutely not. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> I just knew I wasn't going back to my old job. This is a passion. I'll figure it out, which is kind of our mantra. We'll figure it out. <laughs> we'll figure it out as we go. And that's what we've done. And we've been able to build a really successful business and we're thrilled. I mean, and Chris and I still love each other, even though we've been living in the van by ourselves for 21 months and we're great business partners. So it's going, we're really excited. Yeah. Living in the van and being business partners. I mean, what's the most challenging part of that? Um, we have very different personalities. 
like I was saying, I'm a type A, very red personality. There's personality colors. Um, so I'm very red, whereas he's a blue personality that's more low-key, really calm and detail-oriented kind of thing. So website design is the worst project for us to work on together <laughs> because we have such different viewpoints of things. Um, so I've gotten to where now I just don't even look at the website anymore and he's now in control <laughs> because that is the one thing that we hate doing together. Otherwise, we work really well. Cause do you do most of like, you're the dietitian, you do all the food stuff. Is he totally not a part of that at all? Right. So I stick to, and this is the best part about having him on board now is now I'm a dietitian again, rather than trying to also be the marketing person, the accountant, the promoter, those aren't my skill sets. Whereas Chris used to be in the commercial construction business where he was a project manager. That's what he did. He managed like huge projects. He knows how to forecast. He knows how to budget. So I don't even look at those things. He manages all of our team, their paychecks, all those things. I just do food. <laughs> so it truly is a dream come true. <laughs> right. Like you're actually doing what, what it is that you want to be doing. Right. And that's like the problem when people start entrepreneurship is they're managing 800 different hats. Yeah. And that's where I got stuck. So we got to the point where I just wasn't able to advance the business anymore. And Chris was unhappy where he was. So we're like, let's just take the leap. That's when we decided to move in the van to reduce our living expenses significantly. Um, so there for a long time, there was no coffee, no beer, no new clothes, you know, no new nothing. <laughs> but that's how we made it work. And like that was like when you were still living in the house and just like planning for the next big jump, you mean? Oh, no. We went from well-paying jobs to nothing. <laughs> so luckily we had enough savings that are still kind of supporting us. But no, we literally went, he went from working one day to not working and not having a paycheck anymore. <laughs> so what was the scariest part of that? I mean, what advice would you give someone who's thinking about doing that? I mean, you, you've become so successful from doing that. So you've been in and out of the loop. So what would you tell someone? Um, believe in yourself, to be honest. Just you have to commit the time to it, take the leap. And the way we looked at it too was we can always go back to work. We can always get another house. We can always get another car. Let's give it a try, see what we can do with it. And we gave ourselves what's actually kind of funny. Well, it's not funny. We gave ourselves a deadline of April um, 2020, which is right when COVID was really hitting. So had, our goal was if we had to make enough money to support ourselves by April 2020, uh, or we have to go back to work. So we really panicked when COVID hit, um, but luckily we hung on and made it through COVID and we're, we're doing really well, but that was just kind of our process of getting through it. So you would say that COVID did good for your business? Initially, no, but it also gave us the drive to change our vision a little bit and figure out how we could serve people in this new life that we have. Uh, now we're getting outside. Um, now people are having to do, I do live stream talks too, um, where originally I wanted to do in-person coaching and teaching and those kinds of things. So we've just shifted what we do to more online and more accessible to people now that we are restricted as to what we can do outside. Yeah. I mean, you've created so many YouTube videos lately, it seems too, that I've been watching. And I remember there was one about like the misconceptions that making your own food is more expensive than buying food. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. That's again, where my interest in numbers comes out as a dietitian as I did a review of three different hiking diet styles. I reviewed kind of the traditional, um, like the tuna, the tortilla, like your cookies and those kind of things. Um, and then I did a review of what I found online was someone else's ultralight diet, which was extremely limited, but it was lightweight. 
but nutritionally limited. And then I compared it to our recipes that we do and how I was able to maximize all the nutrition, eat really healthy, get all those calories in, but cost the same as the cheaper hiker diet that just went and pulled things off of the grocery store aisle of like the little Debbie cakes and all those things that are typically pretty cheap. Um, so that was actually a really nice finding for myself that I was able to do um, healthier diet for people at a reasonable cost. Right. And like to do that, um, some people might say like, oh, but I have to buy a dehydrator and like dehydrators, the price up front can be really costly. So what would you say to someone talking about, I don't want to spend money on the dehydrator? And actually I, because we don't have a lot of electricity in the van, I rarely ever use a dehydrator. So all of our ingredients, our recipes, all but I would say five out of 175 are dry ingredients based. And because of this very question that you're asking, we now do more recipes that are grocery store ingredients. So you can just go to the store, pull it off the shelf and make a healthy meal. Because again, they're real food recipes. <laughs> um, so there are a few ingredients that I use some unusual powders that I like um, that you have to order online. But otherwise, a lot of the recipes, you just go and buy some Parmesan cheese, herb spices, I don't know, sun-dried tomatoes, uh, milk powder you can go to the grocery store, and pasta. I mean, there's a lot of things you just buy at the grocery store. It's just the know-how of putting it together, which is what we do for you. Yeah. Yeah. And like the amazing thing that you're saying is like the Parmesan cheese and like all this like powdered stuff, like up front, like buying those might sound more expensive, but like a big thing of Parmesan cheese is going to last you how many meals. Right. Well, and I use a lot of cheese, so it doesn't last very long. <laughs> so, And actually, this is something we're doing right now is you can use these ingredients in your regular fresh meals, too is I've got several ingredients in here now that are going to expire soon. So I'm actually adding them to our nightly meals. So if you don't use them, let's say like COVID now, maybe you bought a lot of ingredients at the beginning of the season, you weren't able to use them all, use them as regular food at home um, so that they don't go bad. Totally. And when you say they're going to expire, I mean, because when you buy like backpacking food, like we're talking like pasta and herbs and stuff, like what kind of stuff are you buying for backpacking that's maybe going to expire? Uh, well, in particular for me, I use a lot of nuts um, because they are so nutritious and high calorie. They're, we don't have a freezer anymore. We have a college-sized refrigerator without a freezer. So our nuts are at, at room temperature now, so they don't last nearly as long. So I use a lot of nuts. Um, so that's something that goes bad. Um, the milk powder, once it's opened, will go bad if it's not refrigerated. So that's something you need to use up. In most situations, people have refrigerators, but we're pretty limited again. Um, so those kinds of things. Um, the freeze-dried ingredients absorb air, uh, moisture from the air really easily. So if you don't happen to have a vacuum sealer, those can not last as well. So you can add those to smoothies at home. You can add those to like, uh, I don't know, yogurt. So you can use up a lot of this stuff at home before the next season. Right. I've used, I've like run out of eggs in my house and then I've used dehydrated eggs to cook yeah. my eggs at home. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and those have like an insane shelf life. Yeah, they do. <laughs> and they taste, if you do them right, they taste just like scrambled eggs. Yeah. Are those in a lot of your recipes, dehydrated eggs? Um, I have, I'm trying to think. I think I only have three egg recipes primarily because I feel like they're so hard to clean up when you're cooking them in your pot on the, and I'm a big, I'm actually more of a freezer bag cooker. I don't like doing a lot of dishes um, and the eggs tend to make a big mess. So that's one of those. I like to leave no trace outside. Um, so I don't like dumping a lot of dishwater and that kind of stuff. So when people use your recipes, there's no dishes involved? If, if you don't want to, 
No, they're all just, and this is another thing we're working on with the business is we're working towards getting um, compostable baggies so that people don't have to use the plastic because again, we're more environmentally friendly. We don't like using plastic as much as possible. Um, so you can use the silicone bags too, wash and reuse those over and over again. Um, or if you wanna use your pots, you just heat up some water, put the meal in, stir it up and then it's done. None of our recipes have to be simmered for an extended period of time. Right, and that's like the best thing about backpacking because after you've hiked like 10 miles, you just want to eat instantly. Right, and again, that's part of my personality. I'm impatient, I'm starving, I want to eat right then. <laughs> I'm pretty grumpy at the end of the day if I don't get to eat, so <laughs> they're purposely designed that way. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So right now, I mean, the, the food's just being stored in like Ziploc bags and those that's what you're taking out on the trail? Uh, pretty much. Uh, we have a vacuum sealer just because I do prepare so much in advance. Um, so the food will stay significantly longer when it's vacuum sealed because it's not exposed to the oxygen and those kind of things that will cause the food to oxidize and go bad. And when things get vacuum sealed, is putting things in the freezer, will that make it last longer too? Yes. So that'll extend... If you really want to make things full in advance, it's vacuum sealing. Uh, well, using ingredients that don't necessarily go bad very often, which nuts, I typically don't include those for long term. Then you vacuum seal and then you freeze it and it's easily good for probably two years. Two years. Yeah, that's a crazy long shelf life. So yeah, I mean, this winter, people, if you're like hibernating, just cook yourself a bunch of backpacking meals. Right. Just make a bunch of backpacking meals and then you have them for next summer. <laughs> so with winter coming up, are you guys going to go? I mean, I guess you have the place in Colorado that's going to be starting. So you'll be adventuring out on winter trails. That's going to be new for us this year because we normally go where it's warm. <laughs> so we're a little curious to see how van life in the snow is going to go this year. Um, which actually we're kind of excited about having the office space. So if there are days like that, that we really need to get inside, we now have a place to go inside. Um, but yeah, we're going to be adventuring a little bit more in the mountains than you last, last winter, excuse me, we were in Southern Arizona um, and Southern New Mexico where we stayed, where it's warm and dry and sunny, because that's one of the primary reasons we left Seattle is I just couldn't do the rainy dark days anymore. Yeah, that would make me kind of depressed in the rain all the time. I didn't realize how bad it was until we left. And so I was like, wow, no wonder I was tired all the time. No wonder, you know, I felt like I did. So, yeah. So I think we'll eventually go back to New Mexico once the business is up and running with the food. Um, but right now, this is where we need to be. And there's like staying in the van is kind of your long-term vision? Uh, for now, we have no intention of moving into a house anytime soon. So I don't know what, we've talked about getting a fifth wheel um, next and parking it somewhere. It's kind of a home base. So again, if we need somewhere to stay, like when COVID hit, we had to leave. We ended up going to our family's homes. Um, our parents live a mile apart from each other in Florida. So because all of the campgrounds were closing where we were staying when COVID hit, so we stayed with them. Um, but if something like that happened again, if we had a fifth wheel somewhere, we could go back to that as a home base. Um, but we'd still have our van and be able to travel and do all those things that we normally enjoy doing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Your parents live a mile and a half away from each other? Right. It's really funny. <laughs> yeah. Is that my how parents, you guys met through your parents? No, absolutely not. <laughs> um, my parents had moved to Florida from Kentucky, oh gosh, at least over 10 years ago. And his parents almost bought the house next door to my parents last winter. So we we're like, that's a little close. So they moved a mile away instead <laughs> in the same area. <laughs> that's crazy. But like, it wasn't on purpose. 
No, not on purpose. It was just like, oh, we're retired. Let's go to Florida. Right. And they had actually were planning on going to, Chris's parents were planning on going to another community, I think further south, but they fell in love with my parents' community. Um, So yeah. And what's even more funny is that his parents bought my parents' neighbor's house. So they swapped houses. (laughs) So it's just the whole thing is weird. (laughs) But now when we go to visit, Chris and I walk between the two houses. We don't even get in a car. (laughs) So we just walk to each other's house. Well, yeah. I mean, that's got to be so nice when you're going to visit family. It's like it's a one-stop shop type thing. Oh, it's easy because his parents were in New Hampshire. So it's so much easier now. We just go and visit both sets and then we get back on the road again. Yeah, totally. (laughs) That's awesome. So um, if people want to know more about Backcountry Foodie or get in touch with you, where can they go? Um, Google Backcountry Foodie. (laughs) You can go to backcountryfoodie.com. We're on Instagram under Backcountry Foodie. We're on Facebook. We're on YouTube. Um, We're on a lot of podcasts like you've listened to. So if you just Google my name, Erin Owens Mayhew or Backcountry Foodie, you'll find we're, we're all over the place. So you'll find us. Awesome. Yeah, I just love like your attitude of like, if I don't eat it at home, I don't bring it on the trail. Right. No, I mean, why? That's the thing that blows my mind is like, why would you completely change your diet? And there's so many people that go to the gym three days a week, they take really good care of themselves, they eat healthy, and then they go and eat garbage when they hike, and then they feel horrible. It's just like, again, I'm a dietitian, this just comes naturally to me. So that's something I'm trying to teach other people about to kind of just change their mindset about food. Absolutely. Absolutely. And especially for people who are doing it as much as they do it, like they live on the trail. Like why not bring that nutrition on the trail with you? Right. And it's one thing that you can prevent like um, accidents. I mean, so injuries and all those kinds of things that might send you home early food can help prevent those things. Let like a broken ankle make you go home, you know, let like uh, something else that you physically can't prevent go home. Um, Food you can prevent, you can take care of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, are there any nutrition bars that you like, like ones that you haven't made, but like, do you ever eat nutrition bars? I don't anymore because I've eaten so many of them. I just can't stand chewing them anymore. (laughs) So they're not even an option anymore. That's why I've really switched to a lot of trail mix, homemade trail mix. You can mix and match all kinds of things, uh, whether it's savory or salty or, you know, like gooey from like, I don't know, apricots or something or something crunchy. Um, so that's my new gig or my new thing is just to do mixed up trail mix. Um, because yeah, I just, I threw away probably hundreds of honey stinger bars and those because I just couldn't eat them anymore. Right. Well, and after like trying to through hike a trail, like you eat the same things over and over, I would imagine. And yeah. And trail mix is such an easy thing to make, just pull out what's ever in your cupboards right, or in your tote bins like you have. Right. Oh, and that's actually one of our recipes is called empty your pantry. It literally says like, go pull out whatever the leftovers in your bags and put it in a bag. (laughs) Like, don't let, don't let the goldfish go stale, throw them in a Ziploc baggie, you know, don't let the pretzels go stale, put them in a bag with some M&Ms or something or some raisins. Totally, totally. And that's like one thing that's amazing about backpacking is like, it's taught me like just to not waste as much because like when you backpack, you only have a minimal amount of things. So like... I just really hate wasting any food. And like, I would definitely say that backpacking has brought that value into my life even more so. Right. And that's actually one another one of the things I teach within the meal planning site is um, if you do happen to have a dehydrated home is let's say you're going to go away for a three day backpacking trip 
you got a bag of spinach that's going to go bad while you're gone. Throw it in the dehydrator the night before, and then you could use that dried spinach the next trip. Or if you've got some strawberries that are going to go bad while you're just throw them on the dehydrator, that's all you have to do. And then you've got more food for later that was going to have to go in the garbage. I've never thought of dehydrating spinach. So yeah. do you vacuum seal that? No. And you can, that's again, where I was saying I use a lot of powders as you can grind it up in a spice grinder and you just add it into like stews, soups, anything. So it doesn't actually add a lot of flavor, but it's going to add a lot of nutrition. Oh my gosh. Best idea ever. Yeah. And then it doesn't go in the garbage. When it gets yeah. all slimy when you get home. <laughs> That's like my best tip I've heard in a really long time. Dehydrate spinach. <laughs> Never thought of that. Yeah. So I'm definitely going to do that because I buy giant bags of spinach at Costco and sometimes they do go bad. Right. So I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to convert. I've converted you. Awesome. Yes. I'm going to dehydrate my spinach. <laughs> We have an, an unusual life, but we love every bit of it. Well, yeah, you guys are like living, living your dream. You're going for, going for your goals. And I think, like you said, like if somebody wants to do something like this, just go for it. It's scary, but you can always go back to your house. You can always go back to your car. Yeah. It's terrifying. I won't deny it. it it's scary, but it takes a lot of work. Be prepared to put in a lot of hours um, because we're just now able to work six days a week instead of seven. And we've been in the van now for 21 months, like I mentioned. So with the hired help that we have, and we actually have a customer service person that's going to help us probably after the new year. So she can now take on even more of those extra emails that are coming in. So we're not as tied to the computer. Um, so ultimately we'd like to go to a five day work week. <laughs> so we're getting there. <laughs> Baby steps, baby steps. Was there ever a time when you were just like, when you felt like the business wasn't thriving where you just wanted to trash it and give up? That was before Chris came on board because I just couldn't do it myself. It just wasn't going where I wanted to go. I didn't have the skills to do the things we need to do. So we got to that point where we almost quit there. Um, thankfully, he was able to take the leap with me and we are where we are. Because how many years were you doing it all on your own? Um, well, I quit my job in February of 2017, and he quit in March of 19. Is that correct, Chris? I'm looking at him. <laughs> he quit in March of 19. So I guess two years all by myself. Yeah, that would be, that's a lot to take on as one person, especially for like how much you, it's, it seems like you've grown in the last few years. Oh, we expend exponential growth. We launched our current website in December of 2019. So that's, it took us from March until December to get things organized and up and running and actually launched a product in December. So now we're just shy of a year out and we're full-time and supporting ourselves. Yeah, that's amazing. And it's like stories like yours that just inspire me to keep going at like the podcast that I'm doing and just like keep going for your dream because you never know where you're going to end up. Exactly. And each day is new for us. So we actually don't plan a lot anymore because things like today, we're in a McDonald's parking lot that was not intended. So this is just our life. And we've learned to be extremely flexible and know that anything can happen and we're going to go with it. Is that hard as a type A person? Yes, I've had to let go. That was extremely difficult when we first started um, as I was very much a calendar, paper, pencil, kind of schedule it out kind of every day. Um, I now have a Google Sheet calendar that things are very flexible and just continue getting shifted from day to day to day. If I don't get it done, I don't get it done. We'll eventually get there. 
Um, whereas in my previous life, if I didn't get it done, it was extremely stressful because I was in a clinical situation where it had to be completed. I mean, there was no other option. So I would have to stay up really late at night or I'd have to work on the weekends and those kinds of things. So yeah, I've, I've changed quite a bit, I would say. <laughs> right. Like, I mean, you were a corporate lifestyle before. I mean, yeah, deadlines have to happen. And I mean, you say that you're a type A person, but do you think like part of you, like you said, it you've changed, but you still categorize yourself as a type A? I'm still very much type A. <laughs> I'm still very detail oriented. I'm still like, I need things. I mean, I still prefer deadlines. So I set deadlines for myself, but I'm now more accepting of if I don't meet the deadline, it's okay. Um, so that kind of thing. Right, right. I mean, yeah, that's like a, that's a huge like learning curve for, for someone who is a type A to go from being so flexible. Cause like, for example, like my husband and I went on this like big road trip last summer for two and a half months. And like, he's very, very type A and he wanted it all spreadsheeted out. Mm-hmm. So like just going, I was like, nope, let's just go by the flow. Let's go by the seat of our pants and see where it takes us. Cause that's like my style. Like that was like really hard for him, but he adapted and we ended up having like this like great time and just seeing where the road takes us and just listening to that's like what you guys do every day hour to hour right and I think I've definitely relaxed when it comes to like scheduling our days our travels um primarily because our travels take us places we never ever would have gone before because we would have been stuck in traffic at home for two hours and now let's say it's going to rain we're like well okay we can't control the rain let's go somewhere else or like right now we plan to go hiking in Glenwood Springs this weekend but it's going to snow And we're not really keen on being in the van in the snow because of our tires. So we got to come up with a new plan, but it's also going to take us to another amazing place that we never would have visited before. Um, So that I'm more flexible when it comes to the business, still pretty tight, (laughs) still like we're in a tight ship. (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, to be as successful as you are becoming, it seems like you do need to be running a pretty tight ship. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, that'll be interesting in Colorado in the snow. I mean, you guys, I don't know how you're going to get away from the snow in your van because Colorado is a Midwestern place. I mean, there's snow all the time. Well, evidently Grand Junction doesn't get much snow. Um, when it does, it comes down for the day and then it mel- melts the following day. It's a desert here. So there's not a lot of water. Um, so I think we're just going to be able to like come and go. So this will be our safety place <laughs> when it's going to snow elsewhere. We'll just kind of hang out here and then travel elsewhere on nicer days. Okay. Cause this is more like Southern Colorado. No, we're right in the middle on the Utah border. Okay. 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 And we've never been here before, but then we're like, this is an amazing opportunity. So we don't care what it's like. We'll, do, we'll live here for a few years. Um, but so far, we're liking it okay. That's awesome. Oh, and what's it like to have your dog in the van? Is it just one dog? Oh, thank you, Lily. One dog. Yeah, she's plenty. <laughs> yeah, I mean, is she a good travel dog? Um, she gets pretty antsy on our travel days because, like I was saying, we typically will try to knock out all the travel in one really long day if we're going to go somewhere. But otherwise, we're in the wilderness, so she's outside all day. I mean, living her best life. So she's out chasing squirrels and rabbits and birds. And so we're working inside. We actually just installed an awning, which is really exciting for us. We have a little shade now. So I prefer to work outside. I'll sit out in my camp chair under the awning. She's out running around. Chris is inside with our little desk, and that's just kind of our office space. That's amazing just to be able to have the outdoors as your office. Right. And actually, that's what I really miss it when we go into town. I'm ready to turn around and go back. So would you say that working outside like lowers your stress levels throughout the day? 
Absolutely. Well, and the freedom of to like, I'll get up in the morning, we'll have coffee and breakfast. I can go for a morning walk before I even start my day. And usually we're on some beautiful trail or mountain, or even if it's a dirt forest road, we'll go for a walk in the afternoon. I'll usually hit the burnout point around two or three o'clock. Like, well, I'm just going to get up, go for another walk. Whereas in our old job, I was in a hospital with no windows. <laughs> you know, I couldn't escape. So that was just pulling me down there. And now we have the freedom to, or you know what, if I'm burnt out at three o'clock, I'm done for the day. I'll make up for it tomorrow kind of thing. So yeah, we really don't want to go back to our life. We've got to make this work. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. I can only imagine your old There's life. There's our motivation. In... Yeah, exactly. Like old life in a hospital, like that is a very draining setting. Like even just like being in the hospital for three days after I gave birth, I was just like getting so dragged down. And then as soon as we were outside, it was a whole new world. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it was amazing. So did the dog, did you have the dog in your house? Yeah, so she's six. So I've had her for quite a few years. Um, and she actually had a pretty good life there too. So we had a really large backyard. Um, so she was constantly outside. So this isn't really much of a change for her, um, except for the thing that has become a little bit of a more issue is we're together 24-7. So she gets really upset if we go anywhere without her, including the grocery store where we used to have a Planet Fitness membership to take showers and get cleaned up. Um, she would bark and bark and bark um, because we'd leave her in the van. So now we actually can't do that anymore because people have threatened to call the police that we're mistreating our dog. <laughs> like, if you only knew how well this dog's taken care of, um, you wouldn't be concerned. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. So now you guys have to like take turns going into stores. Right. Well, and it's gotten to the point now with COVID too, that we're really careful um, that I'm the only one that goes into stores um, so that we're both not getting exposed. Um, so that kind of thing. And we don't go to the gym anymore because of COVID. So we've taken a lot of gravity showers outside of our van recently. <laughs> so hot showers are a real luxury these days. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. You have that, that gravity thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, cool. We've, I don't know if I should admit to this, but we've taken four real hot showers since June. So, <laughs> so. Well, that's just, yeah, that just becomes the norm when you're living in your van and it's COVID. Yeah, that's just the way it is. And it is a true luxury to have like a real hot shower. We stayed in a RV, our very first RV park, I guess. I don't know, three or four days ago with unlimited hot water. Don't want to get out. So then I took another shower the next day. <laughs> like, this is so luxurious <laughs> because we hadn't had one in so long. I bet so. And it's something so simple, but. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's like, yeah, when I go out backpacking, then like you come back to like just the everyday luxuries we have. You're just so much more appreciative of those. Oh, very much so. Yeah. And when we realized too, living in the van and being an ultralight backpacker is there's, you have so much stuff in your life that it's just stuff. It's really not meaningful. I mean, it's taking up a lot of money that you could be doing to go on adventures. You could be doing all these other things. And we've downsized four times. I didn't know that was possible. <laughs> um, four times. We've downsized four times since we left. Um, and we now still have a five by 10 storage unit that's primarily like winter gear, essentially. So we switch out winter for summer things. Um, and that's all that's in there. We've gotten rid of all of our furniture, anything that's extraneous that we just don't need anymore. Um, so yeah, it was really weird getting rid of all my furniture, like everything I owned, but we don't need it. And it doesn't mean anything to me. It's just stuff. Right. So there wasn't any items that were like really sentimental and hard to let go of. There's one. I have a rocking chair that my grandfather made. 
um, that has traveled with me all over the country multiple times. So that is my one sentimental piece. Um, so wait, that rocking chair was in your van? No, it's in our storage unit. Oh, okay. Okay. We've always kept a storage unit for like a few things. Like Chris has a really nice iMac computer that won't fit in the van. Um, our of our ski gear, our snowboards and all that snowshoes and those kind of things won't fit in the van. So it's more like that kind of stuff that's in there, winter clothes. Um, I still like, I have all my cookbooks in there. So if I need those, we'll kind of go in and pull them out, that kind of thing. So things that we still would use, but don't necessarily need every day or is in storage. And speaking of cookbooks, is your cookbook only paperback or is it online accessible too? Um, neither. They're all within the meal planning site now. Okay. Oh, right. Cause you said you did self-publish it, but then you had to pull it off. Right. Correct. Okay. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, it's just, like you said, it's just stuff and like, why not have more experiences versus all these things that people surround themselves with? Right. And then again, if you do sell everything you own and you find that this lifestyle isn't for your, yourself, you can always buy another couch. You can always buy another chair. You know, it's just, it's another piece of furniture that you can always buy something else. Absolutely. Have you had any really rough days with the van, like technical issues with the van or does it run really well? Um, early on, we were breaking her in. We call her Bessie. <laughs> so when we were breaking her in, um, the air conditioner broke on our way back from the East Coast going to the West Coast in the middle of the summer. It was absolutely miserable. Um, so we had to kind of derail and head north to Montana as fast as we could because we couldn't get it fixed. Um, so that was probably the most miserable time. Um, we've had some problems with, uh, what was the thing called? The particulate filter? Chris, that was in the engine, something about a particulate filter broke and it had this horrendous squealing noise that took us a long time to figure out. We went through four different shops. Um, there's some clunking with the steering wheel. There's some of these really funky things, but now that I, like I said, now that we've broken her in, she's been great. <laughs> yeah. Cause I always hear people in vans and they're like, typically is issues, but seems like you guys have overcome those. Well, and two, we're pretty rough on her. So, I mean, we're out on forest roads and everything. So we've kind of gotten used to things being a little banged up from time to time. <laughs> we're not on the freeway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You're spending most of your time out in nature. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, this has been super, super good to talk to you. And uh, people can go check out backcountryfoodie.com. Thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. This was really fun. We've loved doing this podcasting journey. We love bringing awesome guests on. We love seeing that people are listening. And we're really, really grateful that this is hopefully inspiring other people to get outdoors. Yeah, and as part of our mission at Hiking Through Life, we really want to help support others in continuing their journey or starting their journey into the outdoors. So as part of that, we have plans for future episodes to address some listener feedback. So if you have questions about backpacking, hiking, adventuring outdoors, let us know. Email hikingthroughlife at gmail.com and submit us your question or topic and we'll possibly address it in a future episode. You've been listening to the Hiking Through Life podcast. Peace, love, and hike through life.